Amen. All right. Well, hey, I'm going to make an assumption here this morning. I know, realize that could be dangerous. I'm assuming after the years of study that some of you guys are starting to come to the conclusion that I have a problem with chicken. Is that safe to you conclude, right? The problem is, I think you think that my problem with chicken is somehow a bad thing. And I'm not here to start a church fighter division, but all you pro-chicken eaters out there, you're the one with the problem. In fact, your addiction is messing up your worship. And I've got proof on tape. Watch this. It's happened to all of us. As soon as you wake up, you're hit by that deep, intense craving. So you jump in your car and you drive to the nearest Chick-fil-A only to realize... It's Sunday. For the rest of the day, you struggle to cope with the symptoms of irritability, anger, and depression as you try to curb those cravings with inferior chicken and fries. Now there's relief. Introducing Chickaderm, the pack that's guaranteed to curb your Chick-fil-A cravings for 24 hours every Sunday. Just one patch is equivalent to one chicken sandwich or an eight count of nuggets. Just peel, stick, and say goodbye to those pesky chicken cravings. Look, now I'm wearing a party tray. Chickaderm is available over the counter at most retailers. I think I'll survive till Monday. Thanks, Chickaderm. My pleasure. I'm the one with the problem? I don't think so. As you guys can see, chicken eaters, uh, they're not only blind as to some dangerous side effects. And praise God, people are intervening for your own good. Okay, uh, but believe it or not, the Bible says there's uh, some other people that are going to be engaged in another behavior that is also very deadly, that creates a blindness that you don't want to be a part of. And this is what we see in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through 7. First of all, you must understand that when? In the last days, what's going to come? Scoffers. Good thing we don't see any signs of that happening. Not just in the world. Where? Even in the church, man. Scoffers going to come, and here's what's going to happen. It's not because they didn't have the truth. They didn't want to hear it. They're what? They're following their own evil desires. I don't want to hear that. I didn't come here for this, all that baloney, right? And here's what they're going to say. God called it out 2,000 years ago. Where is this coming? He's promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on the same as it has been since the creation. You guys keep saying Jesus is coming back. How long did you do this in the 70s? Came and went. Nothing changes. Sound familiar? Not just in the world, in the church. Here's the problem. They deliberately forget. Now, what does that mean? Let's break that down. That means I choose to be dumb on purpose. Evidence is all before you, but nope, I'm going to be dumb. On purpose. To what? You're blinded to something. That long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also, the world at that time was what? Deluged and destroyed. God judged the planet once. There's evidence all over the place, but you're blind to that. You don't want to see it. It's all about you. But guess what? He's going to do it again because of sin. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly man. You could turn a blind eye. You could scoff. You could laugh. uh, But it ain't going to stop what God says is going to come because, again, mankind is sinning and rebelling against God. Just like the days of Noah. It's going to come. You're not going to stop it. Judgment day is coming, and you need to get ready because the Bible is very clear. The next judgment coming is the seven-year tribulation, and you don't want to be here. And one of the big obvious signs that's getting close, I'm not joking, folks, turn on your TV. It's this event, the Israel-Hamas war. has been seen the last couple of times. It is not by chance that what we're seeing literally on the news is unfolding and, dare I say, escalating because it's exactly what God said would happen. 
And the first reason why it's happening is because there's a conflict over the land, which really, if you read the Bible, for some strange reason, I highly recommend you do that. But if you read the Bible, there is no conflict. There shouldn't be. It's Israel's land. It's always been their land. It's an unconditional, eternal promise from God. Then we saw last time it's led to another prophecy sign here in the last days, this rise of anti-Semitism, not just from the world, but where? The church, they're coming out of the closets, the woodwork, it's crazy. Why? Because Jesus said, Matthew 24, that at one point, all nations, including America, would hate, persecute, and want to kill the Jewish people. Turn your TVs. What are we hearing, folks? That's another sign. But it's now leading to another sign, this Israel-Hamas war that we're living in the last days, and that is this. Israel will become a source of world conflict. Little bitty tiny Israel tiny little strip of land on the whole planet. The whole world's going to be focused on you? You're gonna, you're, and out of you is going to come this world global conflict? It's crazy. Well, where do you get that from? Well, thanks for asking, Pat. It works well with my nose. It comes from Zechariah chapter 12. Let's turn there. Is our opening text, Zechariah chapter 12. Right? He specifically says what's going to happen to Israel, Jerusalem, Judah in the last days. Zechariah chapter 12. It's page 1537 in my Bible. That speeds it up for you. Or let me give you a little tip. As you turn there, Zechariah chapter 12, the first three verses. Uh, there's portions in your Bible. You might not have noticed this, but, if, but look for the, the portion where the, 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 the page is like super white. And, and there's like no wrinkles in it or crinkles. Almost like you haven't been there before. That's probably where Zechariah is. Okay, But hey, this is a great book. Great prophecy book. You like Daniel, you like Revelation, read Zechariah. Woo-hoo. And we're going to be primarily in this book today, and you're going to see, man, turn on your news. Whoa, it's happening. And it's concerning Israel in the last days. But here's what God says, Zechariah chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. This is what the word of the Lord concerning, oh, if only knew what he was talking about. We're going to have to pray and fast and figure this out. Concerning who? Israel. Okay, it says it right there. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, and who forms the spirit of man within him, declares, this is coming from God. You can trust it. He knows the beginning from the end. The Alpha, the Omega, everything. Here's what he declares. Watch this. I, God says, I am going to make who? Jerusalem. Notice he didn't say Moscow. He didn't say Beijing. He didn't say New York City. He specifically called out a city on the whole planet. Jerusalem. A what? A cup that sends how many? All the surrounding peoples. What? Really? Judah will be besieged as well as what? Jerusalem. And listen, on that day when how many? All the nations of the earth. Does that include America? All the nations mean all the nations on the earth. Listen, are gathered against her, Israel. God says what? I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. Listen, all who try to move it will what? Injure themselves. You may be seated if you can. Lesson, once again, don't mess with Israel. God is not done with them. You try, you're going to get burned. Okay, in a big, big way. But what we see here in Bible prophecy, and now in Zechariah, we see that God not only promised to make Israel a nation again, okay, on the world scene in the last days, and that happened in 1948. But here we see in Zechariah, he says, listen, I'm going to also allow Israel to become, listen, a major ongoing problem on the world scene in the last days. And good thing we don't see any signs of that happening. Turn on your news, man. What do you think's going on? Okay. Ever since it became a nation in 1948, it's been nothing but conflict, 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 conflict. And what is every nation, including the United States, ever since they became a nation wanting to do? We got to fix this conflict. This conflict is peace treaty. We got to make peace. Peace in the Middle East. Middle East. Middle East. Ah! Little bitty Israel. 
has become a major source of conflict, an international global uh, conflict in the last days. Now, some of the translations, let's explode this a little bit. It's pretty wild. says this in that passage there in Zechariah. I will make Jerusalem, listen, a cup of trembling. I will make them a burdensome stone for all people. In other words, Jerusalem and the Jewish people, Israel, are not just going to become an ongoing big international problem in the world. But listen, they are going to instill fear in people over this ongoing world conflict. Is that not happening or what? People are freaking out. Because remember, it just started with Israel and Hamas. Now what's happened? Everybody's getting involved in this conflict. And people are what? They're starting to tremble. They're starting to get afraid. Oh, boy. Is this going to be World War III? Oh, boy. It's going to be a cup of trembling. It's exactly what we're seeing in the news today. Second thing he says there, not just a cup of trembling, I'm going to make them a burdensome stone. Good thing we don't see anybody with this attitude. Come on, how many problems do these people got to have? How many wars are you going to have to have? How many times is this? Why can't you guys just get along? Here we are again. Once again, come on. What a burden you guys have become. See any signs of that? Turn on your news. Not just in a world ongoing conflict, but specifically instilling fear in people over this conflict. And just come on, just what a burden they become. No wonder all nations finally come against them. But the Bible says that attitude, <laughs> you don't want to have that attitude because it ain't going to go well with you. Right? Let's continue to read in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 9 now. On that day, I was set out to what? Destroy all the nations. That attacked Jerusalem. And then he says two chapters later, 14.3, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. How many of you guys would say that when God fights a battle, he doesn't lose? <laughs> you know what? God fighting against you. He never loses. But Israel is basically left alone all in the last days. All nations at some point come against her. She's become this burdensome stone. We're sick and tired and instilling fear. And, ah! and then God rises up to defend her. That's what the Bible says. And that's where we're headed. Okay? But my point is, do we see any sign of all the nations? All means all. All the nations starting to come against Israel. Let me give you just one evidence of that. This is uh, Netanyahu before the United Nations. And he confronted them on their hypocrisy and their silence on how countries are calling for Israel's annihilation and you're supposed to re- represent the countries of the world and you sit here and say and do nothing. Watch this. It's on tape. It's pretty wild. Now after the most inspiring comeback story in world history, after building the most moral and innovative democracy in the entire Middle East, you think that Israel would be supported and held up as an example But we see that the UN, a representation of all the nations in the world, condemn Israel far more than any other country on the planet. And I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The only country in the world that is being called, its destruction is being called for by by a member state of the United Nations. That its national movement, Zionism, was declared racist and illegal by the United Nations. That its capital city, which is arguably the oldest capital of any country in the world, it is not recognized by any country. And there's many, many more points. Last month, 
Khamenei once again made his genocidal intentions clear. Before uh, Iran's top clerical body, the assembly of experts, he spoke about Israel, home to over six million Jews. He pledged, quote, there will be no Israel in 25 years, end quote. Seventy years after the murder of six million Jews, Iran's rulers promised to destroy my country, murder my people, and the response from this body, the response from nearly every one of the governments represented here, has been absolutely nothing, utter silence, deafening silence. Then Netanyahu gave them 45 seconds of silence. For years, I've heard that in the last days, Israel would be isolated as a nation. They'd be left alone. And we're seeing it happen. They are a burdensome stone to all nations, as the prophet said. No one wants anything to do with Israel. And we're seeing all the signs of the end of the age around us. The Jews have got Jerusalem back. First time in 2,000 years, 1967, they got it. This is what Jesus spoke of in Luke 21, Matthew 24. These are fearful times. But Jesus said, when these things come to pass, lift up your head and rejoice. And he said, the gospel must be preached. So preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine while we still have time. And that time is running out. Just turn on your news, man. It's happening right before our very eyes. All nations would come against Israel at one point. It would instill a cup of trembling, a burdensome stone. He, he was either 35 or 45 seconds, Netanyahu stood there after he declared what they were doing. And they said nothing. Did you see the people smiling? Yes. Zechariah said that's going to happen in the last days. Turn on your TV, man. But I'm so glad Joe Biden's here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm so glad I'm going to KFC after service. Are you kidding me? You think he's always going to back Israel? All nations mean all nations. In fact, who do you think started this Iran-Hamas conflict? The Biden administration gave Iran back $6 billion which helped to fund the Hamas. The Biden administration is friendly with Qatar right now, where Hamas leaders live. Biden administration unveils national strategy, not anti-Semitism. We need to fight against what? Islamophobia. What? Oh, and then this just happened a couple of days ago. Biden is now calling for a pause in the Israel-Hamas war. When do you think about this? Do you think this guy in a heartbeat wouldn't turn on Israel? Folks, he's just a continuation of this guy. Yeah, they're laughing all right behind the scenes, right? We had to deal with eight years of the abomination. And then now we have the O'Biden administration. Obama, we dealt with this before. He was the most anti-God, anti-Christian, 
anti-Israel, pro-Muslim president in the history of the United States. Biden's just a continuation of that. And the wild thing is, the Bible says, all nations, which means America, at some point, are going to turn against Israel. Even though in the past, we've been her biggest supporter. But one guy puts it this way. This is how you and I as morning-again Christians should interpret what we're seeing in the Bible through the news. Israel, he says, is always pictured as the focal point of world politics in the end times. There's not a day that goes on that Israel is not in the news. The world is very focused on Israel and especially Jerusalem. The world is wondering what to do about the problems between Israel and her neighboring Arab countries. There's also the concern about the problems between Israel and the unhappy Arabs that live inside her borders. Over the past several decades, the United Nations has tried to answer this Middle East problem. And many heads of the state have tried to tackle the problem. In fact, listen, every United States administration since the reestablishment of Israel in 1948 has made some attempt to resolve the abrasions between Arab land and area Muslim countries and Israel. Failure and frustration have abounded. The peace process has especially failed uh, when, when the subject of who's going to control Jerusalem is entertained. And isn't it ironic, watch this, that as large as the world is, as diverse as the world's problems are, there's lots of problems out there, and as tiny, eensy-weensy this country is, Israel, at its widest point, it's only 85 miles wide. It's only 290 miles long. The population is around 8 million, but the world has a population of 7.5 billion. It's seemingly insignificant compared to the rest of the world, both in size and population. Yet, Israel remains the constant focus of the United Nations and the nations around the world. Why? Because the prophet Zechariah prophesied that when the world is convinced and these peace talks have collapsed, then they will send their armies to force peace. This will be the fulfillment of Zechariah 14.2, which states that a day is coming when all nations will be gathered against Jerusalem and gathered together for battle. And when they do, the scenario will be set for the fulfillment of the greatest event of all human history, the return of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. What an exciting time to live and see these things begin to take place. You guys have been saying Jesus is coming back. Nothing ever changed. It's the same old thing. No, but turn on your news. You know why people don't get it? Because most of America goes to churches that are still silent on this issue. And how long is it? How many weeks has it been now? They still want to address it. And yet this has everything to do with Bible prophecy. And God wants us to know the future. Not to scare us, but to get us motivated. To get us to be strong. To protect us. To cleanse our walk with Him. We're not saved by our works. But sometimes we can goof off. We can get distracted. And so God says, hey, it's getting close. Don't you want to finish strong? I'm going to find you doing something when I return. What's it going to be? Goofing off? Living in sin? No compassion to share the gospel? I don't want to finish that way. All born-again Christians go to the rapture. Praise God for that. How do you want them to find you? That's why he tells us the future. But people don't get it because they're not taught scripture. They go to a church. It's just their own selfish desires. Tickle my ear. Make me feel better. That's why I'm here. You don't want me to leave, do you? Yeah, actually, we do. See you later. <laughs> Hit the road, Jack. Okay. But I also want to share with you, that's just one of the prophecies from Zechariah. Again, turn on your news. Okay. I want to share with you some other reasons why Israel uh, would not just become a conflict for all nations, which we're seeing. Uh, they become a burdensome stone, a cup of trembling. But Zechariah also says that Israel would have an incredible 
powerful, almost supernatural, if you will, military in the last days. And that's what we see in this passage in Zechariah, right? Zechariah 12, 6 now says that on that day, I will make the leaders of Judah like a what? A fire pot in a wood pile, like a flaming torch among sheaves. They will what? Consume right and left. How many? All the surrounding peoples, but Jerusalem will remain intact in her place. And again, this is another amazing prophecy that I take it and a lot of other prophecy teachers take. This is speaking of Israel, even though they're going to be left all alone, they're going to have a huge mega, again, dare I say, almost supernatural military might presence, even considering their tiny size and population compared to the rest of the world. And it says there with that, they're going to be able to what? Consume is the Hebrew word there. Okay, it's the Hebrew word akal, and they're going to consume them. And that word means this, watch this, to eat, to devour, to burn up, to destroy. So Israel, even though they're teeny, 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 tiny, compared to the rest of the world, the population is next to nothing compared to the rest of the world. You come against them, they're going to consume you in a fiery inferno. In fact, you use there like a, uh, a, a torch going through a wood pile. <laughs> right? Don't do what I did growing up. I didn't even share this in the first service, so be fortunate I'm sharing this with you. This is a... But we, we grew up, we had a wood-burning stove. That was all we had to heat the house with, right? And, of course, in the winter months, you know, and sometimes you get green wood, so you need a little help to get the wood going, right? So what we would do is the slow-burning fuel, kerosene. I don't recommend this. OSHA would probably spank me for saying this. Okay, but so we would dump some kerosene on there, then light it, and, then, you know, it'd get the fire going because you need to get the heat because that's all you got for the house. I grabbed the wrong can one time. I grabbed the gasoline. That is not slow burning. How do I know? Because I found out real fast. Because again, the kerosene, you can stick your head in there in the stove and then get it where in this slow. But so when I stuck my head in there, it went, it was like a stick in my head next to a jet engine. All right, let's close in prayer. But anyway, the point is, that's what's going to happen to the people who come against Israel. Like throwing that on a, a gasoline. <laughs> he mentions things like a torch. I grew up in the Midwest. Again, you get to the harvest time when you purposely allow the wheat and the corn to dry up for harvest. I mean, can you imagine somebody going through one of those wheat fields, completely dry, crispy, or corn fields with a torch? What's going to happen? You ain't going to stop it, man. It's going to be raging. <laughs> That's what's going to happen to the people who come against Israel. They will consume you. Right and left. You can't stop it. Don't mess with Israel is the point. It's a fiery ordeal. And this is what we've seen throughout their history. Right? Outnumbered against all odds, Israel has won every single battle. Every single one. They always win. It's almost like God has their back or something. Right? And ever since they announced that they became a nation, they instantly were at war. In fact, the first one, right after they declared their independence, May 14th, 1948, Within hours, you had Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, Lebanon, all invading them. The combined population at that time was 20 million people. Israel only had a million at that time. So the odds are 20 to one. (laughs) Israel beat their pants off. It was crazy. When all was said and done, the Jewish people only won the war against 20 to one odds. But they expanded their territory by 50%. 1956, the Egyptian-Syrian alliance was... Defeated by Israel in the Sinai area. They lost huge. Israel won that one too. 
1967, with the combined efforts that overrun Israel with Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Kuwait, Iraq, Algeria. It was also known as the Six-Day War. Notice it didn't take very long. They also, at this point, not only won, they gained back Jerusalem. Dr. Uh, Mal Couch, who I sat under in seminary, he was actually over there. He was in Christian media at the time, and uh, he was filming. And I remember him in the lectures telling some stories. He said it wasn't natural for them to win. He said it was supernatural. In fact, he shares one story. He's over there filming. I think he's with a couple soldiers in a tank. And, and they're, they're cresting this hill in, in there. And then you crest the hill, and there's a ton of tanks. They got one tank. Right? And he says that he just went back down. He said, this is it. I'm going to go see the Lord. Shots start firing out. And he's just like, you know, whatever. And then after a while, it's silence. He said, I could not believe it. He says, I go back up to the crest of the hill. The Israeli tank is there, and every single one of those tanks were destroyed. Saw it with his own eyes. The own experience. It was right there. God has not given up on Israel. And what's he say? You come against her, I'll consume you. Don't mess with Israel. During, and then, you know, they just keep going on. 1973, they had the Yom Kippur War. Egypt, Syrian, again, they come against them. I mean, they are completely outnumbered. Israel beat their pants off again and again. And today, Israel is by far the most powerful military force in that whole area, including with nuclear weaponry. Some would say hydrogen weaponry. And one guy said this, their Air Force, Navy, Army, the whole thing, pilot to pilot, airframe to airframe, the Israeli Air Force is the best in the world. And part of this is they had to do it out of sheer survival. When you got literally within hours, hey, we're a nation. You don't get a card. You don't get a gift certificate to Walmart. Nobody says, hey, let's take you out to steak and celebrate. Instead, we want to kill you. So they had to, and still to this day, have had to build up some of the most incredible defenses. Military weapons, weaponry, fighting techniques. Of course, if you don't know, the IDF, you might hear IDF. That stands for Israel Defense Forces. Okay, they start out with basically nothing, and now it is completely state-of-the-art in all branches of their military. It's crazy uh, what they're doing. One guy says, today Israel stands as a dominant military power in the Middle East above all. And they're the ones that come up with some of the, what even other nations use for their military equipment. Let me give you a couple examples. They are the ones who invented what's called the bullpup assault rifle. They're the ones who invented the Uzi submachine gun came from Israel. They're the ones who invented the Python air-to-air missile. They're the ones who invented the Desert Eagle short-range pistol. And they're the ones who've invented wall radar. You think Hamas is going to hide from them? Even if you hide in a hospital or a bank basement or schools like they unfortunately do? No. They're going to find you. You can run, but you cannot hide. Watch this. Imagine a new tactical tool Compact and mobile. Provides real time intelligence. The ability to see through walls. They can run. 
that can't hide. They're going to consume you. Right and left. Wow. They also invented something that's called wound clot. This is this bandage that stops bleeding lickety split. They've also in, invented what's called the injured personnel carrier to hurry and get their wounded out to quickly to get healed back and get back on the line. And what have we been seeing in the news? Their Iron Dome air defense system? That ain't the only one, folks. They also have a laser version called Iron Beam. Talk about Star Wars technology. You don't want to go against these guys. Watch this. It's on tape. Coverage of the ongoing conflict in Israel has featured recurring images like this. Missiles streaming across the sky and exploding midair. These are missiles from Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system, a land-based system that intercepts and destroys short-range rockets and mortars. It has become a bedrock of the country's defense since its introduction in 2011. The defense system has intercepted over 2,400 rockets bound for civilian areas since its launch in 2011, according to an Israeli military spokesperson. During a conflict in 2012, the Iron Dome knocked down 421 rockets launched from Gaza and bound for Israeli cities before a November ceasefire. And during the 2014 war in Gaza, it intercepted 700 rockets fired by Islamist movement Hamas, a 90% success rate that effectively blunted the Palestinian group's aerial threat. And Israel has expanded the defense system by installing missile batteries on ships, and the system is in the midst of being upgraded to combat the threat posed by unmanned drones. As the current conflict continues, so will the use of the Iron Dome. Now let's talk about another arrival, one that started to change warfare as we know it. But first a question. What is the biggest problem with Israel's Iron Dome system? I would argue it's the cost. Each Israeli interceptor missile costs about $50,000. But what if Israel had a cost-effective way to stop the rockets, a way to hit one rocket after another endlessly without having to worry about its expensive interceptors running out? Sounds ideal, right? Well, it may become reality soon because Israel is reportedly rolling out a new defense system. It's the stuff of sci-fi movies. Israel calls it its defensive trump card. It's the iron beam anti-missile laser system. Our next report tells you what's the iron beam and how it can be a game changer. It's Israel's ace in the hole, the iron beam laser anti-missile system. The iron beam is a technological marvel, the fruit of years of research in high-intensity lasers. It was first unveiled at a Singapore air show in 2014, and after seven years, it seems to be ready for battlefield action. The system was made for one thing, taking down aerial threats before they hit Israel. All this will be directed at incoming missiles, drones, rockets, and any other aerial threat. The laser is meant to augment, not replace, Israel's existing missile defense systems. It will try and mop up the projectiles that slip through the iron dome. Like a short-range laser defense support system. That could be the initial plan anyway. But the iron beam and other lasers will get stronger over time. They could eventually replace other costlier systems. While building the iron beam certainly isn't cheap, using it is relatively cost-effective. Israel says it will cost about $2,000 to destroy an incoming threat using the iron beam. 
Compare that to $50,000 per Iron Dome interceptor missile. You can see why Israel will want to improve the laser tech as time goes by. But even today, the Iron Beam's deployment will mark a milestone, signaling the beginning of the age of laser warfare. Star Wars, eat your heart out. I'm kind of thinking if anybody, I don't care what nation you are, you try to come against Israel, they're going to consume you. One guy says this, Israel deploys the world's most capable ground-based integrated air defense system. Nothing equivalent exists anywhere else. They also had the world's second most effective space-based surveillance capability. Can you imagine if they even had this stuff in space? Also, but they can survey from space. And that helps to give instant instructions to the soldiers on the ground. They're the, a world leader in cyber warfare. They're the world's second largest inventory of precision, uh, pre precision guided missiles. And nobody can touch them. They're, quote, some of the best trained soldiers in the world. One guy said this. I don't think anybody doubts that Israel's defense forces are pound for pound the best fighting forces on earth. And again, that's wild as it is. But then when you compare them to other militaries around the world that are much bigger population, much bigger geographical size. It is mind-blowing. Let's take a look at just some of that ranked by strength. Again, we're not even talking about nuclear capabilities yet, but let's take a look. Number one in ranking is us, the United States. We got 3.806 million square miles. Number two is Russia, 6.602, almost double the mass of miles. Number three is China, about the same size of the U.S., number three in line. And 11? And you got 8,019 square miles? Not million miles, just square miles. And you're 11 on the list? It's wild, folks. They're ahead of Australia, Canada, Mexico, uh, and on the list of 136 countries. Little teeny tiny Israel, right? But another article says Israel is ranked eighth most powerful country in the world when you take in other factors. So it could be higher. Quote, for a relatively small size, the country's played a large role in global affairs. I wonder why. Shades of Zechariah. Right? Now, let's do the size comparison because this is what's crazy. Right? It's not just they got that much of a, a military force. Watch this. The state of New Jersey is 8,729 square miles. Israel's 8,019. So it's smaller than New Jersey. It's crazy. And you can fit 20 and a half Israels in California. You can fit Israel in the Lake Michigan and have room to spare. Okay, and yet you're the 11th in the world for military strength, 8th, the most powerful in general out of 136 countries, who has massive amounts of population and size. This is unheard of. But Zechariah said it would happen. Their total population, over 8 million, their manpower is about half their population. Can you imagine if half the United States population was in the military? Would you want to go up against them? Us? No! That's what they're dealing with. Some of the most well-trained on the planet. That's why they are by far the strongest military in the reason. They are number one in that area, not only 11th in the world, but they're ahead of Iran, Saudi Arabia, Syria, United Arab Emirates. That's why these guys got to gang up against them, right? Jordan, Oman, Kuwait, Qatar, Yemen, all that stuff. Uh, and they're a big uh, exporter of uh, arms. We are, the, of course, top of the list. United States, 10,194. Russia, 5971. China, 1978. France, 1,200. Germany, 1,110. United Kingdom, 1,083. And Israel, 1,074. Now, think about that. France is number four. Israel is not that far off, okay, just behind France. You're already seventh, but you're really not too far from being number four. 
And again, we're not even counting nuclear. Now watch nuclear. Russia's got a, approximately 8,000 nuclear warheads. We've got nearly 7,300 nuclear warheads. Israel's got 400. Smaller than the state of New Jersey. 20 and a half of them go in California. And it fits in Lake Michigan with room to spare. And you got 400 nuclear warheads. France has got 300, China's got 250, and the UK's got 225. Hmm. You know, it's almost like Israel right now has an extremely, completely obtuse, crazy, over-the-top, dare I say, almost supernatural, powerful military in comparison to the rest of the countries around the world. And I'm kind of thinking that I don't care what nation you are, you try to come against them, what's going to happen? you're going to get consumed. You're going to get consumed. Now, speaking of which, speaking of the burning, the consuming, our lifetime, Israel, what's going on in the news, maybe, and again, we're still in Zechariah. Maybe it's time to dirty up those pages a little bit. There's a lot in here. We focus a lot on Revelation. We focus a lot on Daniel, and that's great. Lots going on in Zechariah. But speaking of burning, consuming, our lifetime, Israel, maybe, maybe we're starting to see also in the news, this passage in Zechariah coming to pass. Let's take a look at that. And this is Zechariah 14, 12. This is the plague with which the Lord will strike. How many? All the nations that fought against Jerusalem. So he didn't just say it was going to happen. He didn't say why it was going to happen. He tells you what he's going to do when it happens to these people who would come against Israel. And I quote, their flesh will rot while they're still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. Now, some would say this is just a sovereign act of God, and maybe it is, like he says, a plague. It's a plague, and, and God just punishes them, and instantly their, their faces, the skin and muscles just kind of melts right off their face. Kind of like the Indiana Jones movie. Remember that? A little graphic, but let's go back in the 80s, shall we? Let's take a look. Don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Mary, and don't look at it, no matter what happens. See what happens when you eat chicken? <laughs> As spiritual leader of our home, that's what I do. I, every time we drive by KFC, keep your eyes closed, kids. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> you know it's true. 
But maybe, is this it? Is this to give you a visual, although a little graphic, but is, is, is this what God does to the nations that come against him, according to Zechariah? Their flesh will rot while they're standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets. Their tongues will... Ah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it is. But what's interesting, turn your news with modern weaponry, including Israel's modern weaponry. What does that sound like? Is it a nuclear thing? And then if you're also talking about turning your news, is it by chance that Europe is doing this? Belgium grants countrywide access to iodine tablets, which is what you take to fight off radiation poison. This is the other thing that's going on. Romania to issue iodine tablets as Russian war continues in neighboring Ukraine. And now they're rattling their sabers at Israel, saying you shouldn't do this because Russia's been friends with Hamas for a long time. What do you know that we don't know? Uh, why the war in Ukraine has countries stockpiling iodine tablets? And now with Israel, what else is going on? In fact, this just happened. Switzerland mails iodine tablets to 5 million residents in case of nuclear disaster. And as one guy said this, yeah, is Israel preparing uh, its citizens for a nuclear conflict? What do you know that we don't know? Is this what's coming? And this is going on all over Europe. We may not hear about it here, but it is over there. Watch this. Finland has seen more than a hundredfold increase in demand for iodine tablets as citizens seek to prepare themselves for any nuclear fallout. Helsinki is about the same distance from Kiev as it is from Berlin, and pharmacies across Finland are out of stock across the country now. Finland's National Emergency Supply Agency reassured Finns that it holds significant quantities of iodine tablets in stock, which are the last resort in situations where pharmacies run out of the medicine or the supply chain is otherwise disrupted during an emergency. Here in Norway, iodine tablets are close to being sold out in most pharmacies across the country. And according to the Norwegian Medicines Agency, they may not get new deliveries until April 20. 90,000 packets have sold this week. That's about a million tablets. And according to the Norwegian Pharmacy Association, only one to two tablets are needed per person in the worst case. And that's after advice from authorities. An increasing number of people in the past few days have been trying to get iodine from their local pharmacy here in Luxembourg so that the government had to issue guidance about when and how to take the pills, warning that this is only needed in case of a nuclear emergency and if the authorities say so. Pharmacies like this one here near the city centre have seen a rapid increase in people coming. Uh, the phone were ringing in sequence uh, to ask people for ask about uh, the iodine. Yeah. But they don't actually have any iodine and they have to send people away. What do you know that we don't know? Are we really in danger of some sort of nuclear event taking place? And, but hey, with Joe Biden at the helm, we got nothing to worry about here, baby. Are you kidding me? Couple all that with what he is allowing on purpose to do at the southern border. And then in light of the Israel-Hamas conflict, folks, this is what's now coming out. It isn't just illegal Hispanics coming across the border, it's Hamas. On tape, watch this. Terrorists are coming across the southern border. It's not a conspiracy theory, is it? 
No, it's not. And to think otherwise would be another failure of imagination, the same of which we suffered for the attacks on 9-11. Look, border control is essential no matter what country you are. It relates to your national security and your sovereignty. With respect to Israel, we've seen that overtaken by force. The difference between Israel and what happened there and the United States is the United States has allowed it to happen by invitation, invitation through their policies. And if we don't think that because of this, terrorists have exploited both in between the ports of entry and the exploited the legal means to come into the country, then we're not thinking the way we should. Um, they are present here in the United States. We are the number one ally, for example, the most powerful ally of Israel. Do we really not think that we have sympathizers that may already be in the country that are sympathetic to the causes of Hamas and Hezbollah. Intel arm of CBP is out with a new bulletin and it has a very alarming headline. It says foreign fighters of Israel-Hamas conflict may be encountered at the southwest border. Daily Caller got a copy of this material that was posted three days ago and it's warning about fighters from Hamas, Hezbollah and Islamic Jihad trying to exploit the poorest southern border. Warning of potential terrorist sleeper cells in the United States where we live. As CBP reportedly tells staff and the Hamas Hezbollah uh, crew could be crossing the southern border. Pete, concerned about the border? Of course, how could we not be? Think back to 9-11. What terrorists saw was a vulnerability in our security that at that point we didn't see. Overstaying visas. Overstaying visas. Uh, Airports, airplanes, vulnerabilities, we, we were, not, were not on our radar. This is all over our radar. And they're very familiar with the openings we have on our southern border. And now the San Diego division of the CBP has put out a memo saying, Hamas, Hezbollah, be on the lookout for people from countries with those allegiances attempting to cross our border. So let's break it down country by country because they did for us. And tell me if you're a little concerned about this. First off, look at this. Afghanistan, we know they're running for the hills because of the Taliban. But at least we'd like to know if the 6,386, where they're from and who they are. This is over the course of, of two years. Any one of these countries could harbor individuals with particular, I mean, Lebanon, uh, front and, cent front well and center. Iran, front and center. Egypt is where they came up with the Muslim Brotherhood Egypt that gave birth to all these terrorists. Absolutely gave birth to all of it. Uh, a few radicals in Iraq, if I recall. Pakistan, uh, more radical dangerous. than Afghanistan. A little bit dangerous? Just a little bit. You know, the hills over there. Turkey, an increasingly Islamist country, even though they're a member of NATO, Erdogan is taking in the dire that direction. Syria, Yemen, the Houthi rebels. So every single, and these are the ones that are arrested at the border, mm -hmm. not the gotaways, which we'll get to in a moment. All right, now let's talk about the terror watch list because we're also keeping track of that. Let's start in 2019. Okay, so this, Brian, is what a policy looks like. This is what a policy right. looks like. Fiscal year 2019. And then you can draw a bright line with things changing in that more. policy and how it grow, grew. Terror watch list. New president. Attempts to cross the border. And it is exploding. This is exponential growth. They go on to say, too, they actually confronted the government authorities with, okay, these are the ones you caught. What about the Godaways? But they even asked them, okay, you cut these guys. Where are they now? And I'm not joking. You know what they said? We don't know. So did you just catch them for looks and then... Why would... It's almost like something's... We're being set up. 
who, who, who gains from this? Well, the immediate thing is, and I'm not downplaying Israel and Israel's right to defend themselves and all that kind of stuff, and I'm not saying that's not really happening. Of course it is. But immediately, this news cycle is keeping the focus off the Biden crime family that is really escalating in Congress, but you're not hearing about it. Klaus and the gang, they got uh, their great reset. They want to take over the planet. And they got seven years to go to make, meet their date, 2030. They got a two-year running head start from the global pandemic. They got another year out of Ukraine, but that's all fizzled out. And what's their modus of operandi to bring in the next layer of tyranny as you slowly take over the planet? Create a crisis, you can manage the outcome. And imagine if this was allowed to happen by our own government to create these crises in America. Who would gain from that? Klaus and the gang. Joe Biden, who's the disciple. And out of this crisis, we can never let this happen again. These people coming across the board. So mm, here's how we can fix it. Let's give everybody a permanent individual electronic ID, including wherever they travel around the world. And then we don't want these people being funded anymore to do these dirty deeds. So let's flip the switch and go cashless. And we'll know what everybody's buying and selling. You can smell it coming. It's nuts. Now, on top of this, is this also why you talk about a possible nuclear threat, a nuclear dirty bomb? And did you see the freaky public service announcement that New York City put out? You're about to see it. <laughs> of all things to say, oh, keep this in mind. Just a random thing. Are you watch this? It's on tape. So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why. Just know that the big one has hit. Okay? So what do we do? There are three important steps that I want you to remember. Step one, get inside fast. You, your friends, your family, get inside. And no, staying in the car is not an option. You need to get into a building and move away from the windows. Step two. Stay inside. Shut all doors and windows. Have a basement? Head there. If you don't have one, get as far into the middle of the building as possible. If you were outside after the blast, get clean immediately. Remove and bag all outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away from your body. Step three, stay tuned. Follow media for more information. Don't forget to sign up for Notify NYC for official alerts and updates. And don't go outside until officials say it's safe. All right? You've got this. And don't forget your iodine tablets. Isn't that weird? Stay inside until the media tells you it's safe. Is anybody else having Vejandu? Last time it was a bug. 
that they use to lock us down. Maybe the next time it'll be a bomb. It won't destroy the whole country, but you know, enough to freak people out. Because how many people have woken up? You ain't ever going to lock me down. It took a while, unfortunately. It took about a good three years. But even non-Christians going like, what a joke. You ain't get me a second time unless they do a different tag. I'm not saying thus say the Lord, but man, you put all this together. It's like, what a setup. Why would you allow this to come across your border on purpose? Interesting. Oh, and is that why you also just recently tested this universal signal on everybody's cell phones? Interesting. You know, if I didn't know better, if you keep one hand in the Bible, which is your primary source, and then once you understand that, and then you look at the news, you're going like, it's almost like this Israel-Hamas war is leading to all kinds of Bible prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes in the last days. Including, let's go back to this danger that we're talking about here. Is this what's going on? Zechariah 14, 12. This is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot where they're standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. If it is the nuclear option, then maybe it won't be Indiana Jones. It'll be like the scene from Terminator. Again, a little graphic, but gives you a little visual. Let's take a look. In the last days, Israel, teeny tiny little Israel, all nations at one point are going to turn against her. They're going to look at Israel as this cup of trembling, a burdensome stone, and they're going to try to take her over. And their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets. And their tongues will rot in their mouths. Don't mess with Israel. Maybe it's a plague. 
Maybe it's biological warfare. Or maybe it's what you're starting to see countries trying to prepare themselves for, some sort of a nuclear event. But the point is this. Jesus said when you begin to see these things, Christian, what do you do? Stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. God is never going to tell us the exact date or the hour of the rapture because we would goof off to the very end. He knows us. But how many signs does he have to give you? It's getting close. He doesn't tell us this in advance to freak us out. One, if we're distracted, it's like, ooh, hey, hey, I got to get back on track and finish strong. And to put a compassion to get rid of procrastination, I've got to get busy sharing the gospel. If you're here today and you're not saved, what in the world are you waiting for? You really want to flirt with being left behind? This is no joke. This is what's going to happen. Because this is going to happen to people. They didn't have to if they would receive God's grace and mercy. He, he doesn't want that for you. Receive Christ your Savior. But you're going to sit here and be behind the worst time in the history of mankind, including when people's flesh will rot while they're still standing off their... It's why when you had a way out and you just had to say, yes, Jesus, that's me. Would you please forgive me? Would you please save me? I entrust my eternal destiny on you. Please forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again from the grave. I confess you as my Lord. It's a gift from God. Why wouldn't you receive that? Why be stubborn and flirt with that? That's why he has you here because he's trying to reach into your heart before it's too late. But Christian, don't be like most of the churches out there today. Let me give you another visual with that. It's like this. Here's American church. The world's on fire, but you know what? I got to finish my game. Again, remember the volcano one? I thought it was Photoshop, and I did the research. No, that actually happened in Hawaii. The same thing. I thought, oh, come on, another, another cool, creative Photoshop. No, it's not. This one is actually a golfer finishing his game in a, quote, raging inferno forest fire in Oregon. Because that's more important. The world is on fire. But you were just concerned about your own evil desires. You scoffed. You mocked. And maybe the people that tried to tell you, hey, it's getting close, man. He said, hey, listen, I didn't come here for this. I don't want to hear this. Pastor Billy, come on. Here you go again. It's way past noon, man. The game is on. I ran out of chicken durum packets. I got to head. Oh, it's uh, I got chores to do. I got, uh. How's that any different than this? God tells us this in advance because time is running out. If you're a born-again Christian, praise God. We're not going to go into the fiery seven-year tribulation. But instead of maybe doing that, Maybe lead people, while there's still time, away from that. Doesn't that make sense? That's why God tells us. So if you're off track, get back on track today. Right? Get more concerned about eternity than the economy. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today... Are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die 
and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. You, the, the word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven right and we've actually seen this work in real life uh, for instance uh, there's been people who have committed crimes gone to court the gavel's been passed the judges said hey listen we all know you're guilty uh, you even admit you're guilty and uh, for your crimes you're going to not just jail you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty and did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? 
It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so, even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.